Stephanie's a Jedi. Andy's a long-haired guy. Josh ain't there. We don't know where. Atomic Monsoon. It's time for Atomic Monsoon with your hosts, Jedi Stephanie. Guess who's number one now? Josh. Oh, I didn't know watch a single season of The Bachelor. Why is my who's saying I want to watch The Bachelor? <laughs> and Psycho Andy. My hands are only wet because I watched them. There's no other reason for that. And now, it's Atomic Monsoon. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Andy. How how are you this week? Uh, better now. <laughs> oh, good, good. Now that we're doing Atomic Monsoon. Oh! Uh, my roommates aren't here right now, so I can yell. They they uh had to go out for a thing real quick. So, <laughs> hey, uh, what are you reading? Uh, well, that depends. I have many shelves of books to read. What about you, Andy? <laughs> Oh, I'm reading the uh, lyrics inserts to the CDs I picked up from Def M Records way back in the day. Um, hey. And if you if you would like to hear uh, our friends at Def M Records, our, our wonderful musical friends that provide our intro music, uh, you can do that by going to defmrecords.bandcamp.com and support our friends. Yes, please do. But otherwise, I have uh, I've been rereading some some web comics that I haven't uh, haven't read in a while. So that's been fun. Yeah, no, I, I uh, with the amount of time between our last episode recording and now, I don't, I mean, I'm not the reader I used to be, so I probably could have finished half of these books a long time ago at this time. Now I'm like, mm, maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So, but yeah. Yeah, it turns out uh, a lot of times when you become an adult, you have a lot of things to do and not as much time to enjoy entertainment as you would like. It's true. So, yeah. So, Especially when you're but, people like us that have day jobs and do a podcast and have other, you know, extracurricular activities that we partake in. So, yep. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, no. So we uh, we were talking, you know, some ideas about what to do for Atomic Monsoon. And we made the realization we've talked video games. We've talked a little bit of music. We've talked movies, television, comics, superhero stuff, Star Wars, Star Trek, the whole nine yards. And the one thing we haven't really talked about, except for like in two episodes over the quarantine, is like not as like reading materials. So that includes yeah. audiobooks, comics, web comics, graphic novels, fan fiction, the backs of cereal boxes, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I've read the back of a cereal. It's been a while since I've had cereal, honestly. So uh yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we came up with some lists of of things that we like th- that we have liked to read or that we do like to read uh, again upon occasion. Uh mm-hmm. and so we're gonna talk about them a little bit. Indeed. So you said you had an honorable men- a couple honorable mentions, Andy? I do, I do. Uh, the first one is pretty easy. We've already done a whole episode about it. Um, it was episode 70, our, our Strangers in Paradise episode. Um, I really like that comic, which is why we did a whole episode about it. So, uh, But it's episode 92 now. It's been at least 22 weeks. That's almost six months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a while since we've since we've uh, talked about Strangers in Paradise. So I just wanted to remind everyone, hey, I like this comic and um, Terry Moore is going to drop his the, the creator of Stranger in Paradise. Uh, he did that. He did a series called Echo. He did a series called Rachel Rising. He did the Strangers in Paradise 25th anniversary, and then the hmm. series Five Years that tied them all together. And he's about to drop a new one called Ever. 
that's just a, a one-shot graphic novel that comes out sometime in November, so pretty soon. And then starting next year, there's going to be a 10-issue series called Serial with one of the characters okay. from Rachel Rising, his other book. So uh, that dude's been pretty busy. Uh, but it all starts. It all starts with Strangers in Paradise, and um, so that's that's a good one. And if you want to know more about it, you can go find episode seventy of Atomic Monsoon on your favorite podcast aggregator or atomicmonsoon.com or whatever, and uh, listen to what we had to say about it back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions or? Uh, I have one. It was also. Okay. One that we talked about here on Atomic Monsoon. It was episode 72. We talked about the mortal instruments, primarily the city of bones. Oh, yeah. yeah um, we did that episode. That was fun. Yeah, that was that was a fun episode. Um, but yeah, no, primarily uh, we talked about that one book, but the mortal instruments series as a whole is six books long. It's written by Cassandra Clare. Uh, pretty much follows shadow hunters, vampires, demons, werewolves, everything like that in pretty much the modern day. Um and it did spawn a sequel and a prequel series, uh, which the prequel series is actually one of my, is, uh, is known as the Infernal Devices. It takes place during Victorian London. And then the sequel series is known as the, um, the Dark Artifacts. And that takes place in like the mid to late 2000, the mid to early 2010s. So okay. they're still fairly, you know, new and recent uh, books. They've been out for a while. I own every single one and <laughs> they're all fantastic. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me. I have to make a correction from last week. Um, oh. When I was talking about the the miniseries slash graphic novel Fistful of Blood, which is not intended as an honorable mention, but I guess it becomes an honorable mention. Honorable mention now. Um, okay. Uh, I said it was about uh, a girl that runs into a town um, where she encounters vampires and werewolves. I don't mm -hmm. know what I was thinking. It was vampires and zombies. I was picturing zombies head and for some reason i said werewolves and i caught that when i listened back to the episode this week so uh okay. i apologize if i misled anyone that was listening who went out to buy it and um was unable to find the werewolves in that story aren't there um that that was i just misspoke i i'm terribly sorry about that um yeah <laughs> uh, but hey also listen to last episode and find out why i liked uh fistful of blood by kevin eastman and simon bisley and replaced any instance of the weird word werewolves with zombies there you go yeah uh so i have i have another honorable mention real quick um and absolutely zero people will find this surprising uh it is the transformers more than meets the eye comic from mm -hmm. uh 2011 or 2012 i think it i think the first issue shipped November of 2011, but it's dated January of 2012, so there's like some debate on when it came out. Anyways, uh, that series, uh, it ran 57 issues and then spawned a 25-issue sequel series called Lost Light. Um, I consider it all to be one big thing. It's anyone that watched the original Transformers should be familiar with Hot Rod slash Rodimus Prime and Ultra Magnus, and mm -hmm. they're pretty much the only characters you recognize. Oh, and Ratchet, who is the Autobot medic. Um, okay. So this takes place. This place takes place after Decepticon War. The Autobots have won, and uh, IDW Comics split Transformers into two series. One was called Robots in Disguise, which for the first like thirty issues was fantastic, and then it changed focus, and I didn't like it so much. Um, mm -hmm. But Transformers as a political thriller is a fascinating concept, and that's what that book was. And then awesome. More Than Meets the Eye followed uh, Hot Rod and Ultra Magnus and a crew other characters you probably don't remember um, because then the writer could had just a bunch of blank slates to work with really. 
and they all went off to have crazy adventures in space. And I think the beginning of Robots in Disguise is better, but I think overall more than me, it's a better series. Um, so really, you should read both because they do cross over at a couple points. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, at one point, Megatron joins the cast hmm. as as one of the heroes. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I mean, I really I think the entire 13 year IDW first Transformers run is pretty great. But uh, particularly the last few years, they they really kind of figured out what they were doing and uh, had a, had they did something Transformers has never done before, which is mm-hmm. weird in a 35 year old franchise. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun and, and I, uh, I highly recommend it and it's super easy to find digitally. Um, mm-hmm. it, the, the single issues are out of print. The trade paperback graphic novels are, are slightly, I mean, I think the first run of them is out of print and now they're just doing the big IDW collections. So they're the big thick, like $50 books. Um, mm-hmm. but that means you also get a lot of them in one. So, yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah, it's an honorable mention. I shouldn't talk this much about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Fair Andy enough. likes Transformers, you guys. Surprise. Big shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I have one more honorable mention. Okay. Um, it is it is a book that I've owned for a very long time now. Um, but it's pretty much called the... And I, and I really had to choose which one I was going to do for this because I have I own a lot of Star Wars novels. Like it's actually like I'm not joking. There's a lot that I own, hey, but I really had like to Star Wars. Big, you guys, surprise! Big surprise, right? <laughs> um, but I really had to choose this one for an honorable mention. Um, so the book is called uh, "The Life and Legend of Obi Wan Kenobi," and okay. it and it pretty much shows from like his youngling Padawan hood pretty much until he's a Force ghost, all these different key events in Star Wars and in his life from his perspective and point of view. And it's a really kind of unique little book to kind of get you a better in like idea into the look of the mind of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Cool. Yeah. Uh, That's fun. With that being said though, uh, this, there's an audio book that I want to throw as a real quick honorable mention uh, that I've been kind of obsessed with, but it's called, um, so it's called Star Wars, the Clone Wars stories of light and dark. It includes about 15 or so audio books written by you know, can like you know, approved uh, writers, but read to you by characters from the show, mm. and they okay. provide that character's point of view and perspective on certain episodes and arcs from the series. Nice. What was that yeah. called again? Star Wars: The Clone Wars, stories of light and dark. Okay. Yeah. That sounds and fun. That's only- yeah, and it's only an audiobook form, but it's kind of oh. worth it though because you get all these characters reading to you. So yeah, that's interesting. I mm-hmm. hadn't considered uh, audiobook exclusive before. Huh. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So Andy, what uh, is one of your choices for literature? <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, I'm going to talk about an actual book. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, a web comic, and I'm going to talk about a series. So. Okay. Uh, I will let you pick which one I do first. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> uh, you know, let's do the actual book, Andy. Okay. All right, Stephanie, let's go with the actual book. So uh, I'm going to throw back to a uh, uh, Atomic Monsoon All-Star guest, uh, Tom Levine, who's been on the show twice mm-hmm. now. 
um, he actually his Kickstarter funded uh, the last, from, from the last time we had him on, and uh, those should be shipping out. I just got a thing to fill out uh, the address for Kickstarter today, so that that should be coming out soon. Anyway, but I'm going to talk about a, a book that's not zero, which is the one we talked about last time. I want to talk about his book, Sick, Sick, um, Sick, S I C K by Tom Levine, L E V E E N, mm-hmm. um, and it's a zombie story. Um, it takes place at not Chaparral High School in not Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> I mean, it takes place. It, it takes place in Phoenix. It happens at not Chaparral, I believe. Um, I think. I think the school is not mentioned by name, but it's okay. pretty much that school. Got um, it. Yeah, and it's it's a normal, regular day, and then suddenly one of the kids is a zombie. And, you know, as these things tend to go, the zombie bites another kid who becomes a zombie and they bite two friends and they bite two friends and they bite two friends. And uh, so it's a tale of kids trying to survive this zombie outbreak at their high school. It's super fun. Tom's a very good writer. Uh, I don't know if you could tell from when he was on, but he's a pretty articulate guy. And that comes through in his writing. He includes a pretty fun joke about the word masticate and what it sounds like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah yeah and it's it's i don't you know, i want to say it's like 120 pages or so like it's not a super dense read it is a it's a young adults genre horror book right so it's it's a pretty mm-hmm. easy read um i got it from him started reading it and then i had to stop because i needed to go actually go hang out with him and his wife for a while uh, and mm-hmm. then when I got home, I finished the book. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty good. It's 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 uh, one of my favorite novels that I've read. Um, I've checked it out a couple of times. Uh, my roommate actually read it while I was hanging out with Tom and his wife uh, while I was gone because I left it on the coffee table. And she was like, oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nice. Sick by Tom Levine. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds like a cool book. I'll need to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, I have a singular novel, I have a series, and then I also have a webcomic. Which one should I do, Andy? Oh, well, let's go with the singular novel, since I did a singular novel. Ah, excellent. All right. (laughs) So, the singular novel, this is, okay, I have to put this in there now. This is my hands down my favorite novel of all time. I say that because it is currently sitting on my bookshelf, fraying at the edges. It has writing in it. It has highlighting marks in it. I have literally recommended people read this book because I love it so much. Excellent. Yep. So uh, the book is called Star Wars The Clone Wars Wild Space. It is written by... Yes. It is written by Karen Miller. Okay. Uh, And pretty much how the story goes is that during the Clone Wars... um, after a terrorist attack on Coruscant and where Obi-Wan gets severely injured, I use that term lightly because uh, <laughs> it's more than just severely injured. Mm. Uh, but after he gets severely injured and Anakin takes off on a mission, Obi-Wan gets approached by Senator Bail Organa of Alderaan about a Sith threat. Mm-hmm. And together, the two of them travel across the galaxy into literal wild space to track down the supposed Sith threat and end up finding themselves, um, without going into too much spoilers or detail, they find themselves on a Sith planet called okay. Zagula. 
Um, and the book, okay, so the things I love most about this book, one is it actually has key dialogue and moments from the animated series in the book, which ties in those episodes. Hmm. The other hmm. thing I love about this is that it builds the relationships between the relationship between Obi-Wan and Bale that we never really knew we needed to see be built. But once you read it, you're like, this is fantastic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and it also has a lot of really interesting action, but it also has a really interesting look into the Jedi psyche and what the dark side can do to a Jedi. Okay. Yeah. 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 I highly recommend this book to anybody. I don't care if you're a Star Wars fan or not. Like, I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, it is really, really good. It includes, like, some really funny moments, some really intense moments, some, like, oh, my God, they went there moments. Um, the one thing I hate about this book, this is the only thing I hate about this book. Mm. It's not canon. Oh, sure. And is that, was it never canon, or is it just not canon anymore because of the Disney decision when they bought the franchise? It's not canon anymore because of the Disney decision. Okay. Okay. I, but yeah. so, okay. So here's the thing as speaking as someone who, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I don't say this to, to belittle you, but to make myself yeah. sound old, um, speaking as someone who has been reading comics longer than you've been alive. Um, sometimes the most fun stories are the ones that are not canon. Yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, in my years of reading X-Men and Ninja Turtles and stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, Age of Apocalypse is is one of the best X-Men stories of all time. It is 100% not canon because it's an yeah. alternate universe. Mm -hmm. You know, and people agree it's maybe the best X-Men story, uh, story of the 1990s. And, mm -hmm. like, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, 60 issues long. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's... It's okay that something, you know, like, I think it's perfectly okay when something that you like is not canon to something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there is debate over whether or not the Deadpool movies are canon in the the Fox X-Men movies, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's debatable over whether or not uh, Marvel is going to count them as canon in the Marvel Universe now that, you know, Disney has bought Fox and has the rights to the X-Men back, right? Like, they're going to keep yeah. making Deadpool movies. They may or may not be canon. And honestly, it doesn't matter because they're super fun. So, yeah. yeah, like, while it's a bummer that Star Wars, mm -hmm. The Clone Wars, Wild Space by Karen Miller is not canonical necessarily, who mm -hmm. cares? It's still a fun yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, and I definitely agree to that. I definitely agree to everything that you just said. I think it's just me that it's like, there's, but there's actual bits of episode in the book. And yeah. then, and, but it's just, whatever. Um, yeah. But I honestly, in the end, I really do love this book. It is so, so good. Um, and, uh, like I, I just I don't know how much more I can say about it without getting into spoiler territory. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's again highly recommended read. I don't like you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to enjoy it. If you just want to get like an interesting look into the Jedi psyche, there you go. Um, and yeah, it uh, and also if you want an idea of when this takes place during the Clone Wars, it takes place during the episode in season one downfall of a droid it takes place before during and after the episode hmm. to the point where it gives us the idea that this entire episode takes place in roughly a two to three week timeline okay yeah so it's an interesting like oh that like you count the you count the days that happen in the book and then you match it with the episode and you go 
Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, Wild Space, love it. Favorite book of all time. Cool. Cool. What's your next one, okay. Eddie? Well, so I got the... I'm going to do the webcomic next. Um, okay. So this comic is called Elf Only In, and you can find it right now at www.elfonlyin.net. Uh, and that's E L F O N L Y I N N. Um, everything's, it's one word. It's how it sounds, right? It's, it's, uh, so Elf Only Inn, um, started in, I want to say, you know what? I could just look it up. I have it. I can just pull it up right here. Uh, started in early 2000s. I want to say like 2002 or 2003. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what it is, is a comic series about people in a role-playing chat room. But none mm-hmm. of them actually role play ever. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so the the very first comic we're introduced to Lord Elf, who has started this chat room um, so that he can have role playing adventures in a fantasy setting with other people on the internet. And mm-hmm. uh, as we go through, you know, the the one of the first people we're introduced to is uh, Goku six six six. And it's just Goku from Dragon Ball, but he types in all caps and terribly and with too many exclamation points. Um, we meet Duke Commando who is Mm -hmm. you know not Duke Nukem at all you guys he he wears a bandana instead of sunglasses Uh, it didn't look like Duke Nukem at all I don't know what you're talking about Um, (laughs) uh, we are introduced to Nimoy uh, who you know wears a robe and has pointy ears like an elf but also you know tells you to live long and prosper Uh, (laughs) interesting yeah yeah, and it's totally just a dude who plays Spock in an elf fantasy chat room. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there is Lady Sunset, Autumn Honey, Purity Sunflower Rainbow, who is just a scantily clad, busty girl looking for attention. But also, she's a vampire, but only half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and, and, and there's, you know, as we go on, there's, there's you know, Lord Wootsai did it again. Uh, is pretty great. <laughs> he, he is the Eternal Sweeper, um, which is a uh, eyeball on a stalk of tentacles, uh, kind of a Cthulhu-like monster. Um, and in the <laughs> role-playing guide that he was introduced to, this race is supposed to be called the Eternal Sleepers, but there was mm-hmm. a typo. So uh, he's often seen with a broom. Um and and then Legan Ma- Lady Megan Arwen is another uh, big character in this, and she is introduced as the least likable vegan character you could ever imagine. Like she just comes in mm-hmm. and tells you how terrible you are for eating meat and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But as the series goes on, she becomes my favorite. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there, you know, occasionally the characters go into other online chat rooms and like like the the star wars chat room where there's like seven darth vaders and they're all trying to tell luke that uh they're his father (laughs) um there's there's a bunch of goth kids that all hang out and talk about how terrible and empty their lives are um there is uh a dude that looks like the big red demon from the tom cruise movie legend uh, the Tim Curry character, who in that movie is called the Lord of Darkness. Unfortunately, there was a slight typo for this character, and he became the Lord of Dorkness. <laughs> uh, and the best part about this comic is that it starts as literally just a copy and paste comic, and it's still hilarious. So the idea is because in in old internet chat rooms, you just had mm-hmm. your pic, like your one profile picture of you, and yeah. that's 
what everyone had to go by on what you looked like. And so mm-hmm. when this comic started, when, when uh, Josh Sortelli was the writer and artist for it, um, when he started it, he wanted to replicate that. So he there's one image for everybody. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's slight variations, like they'll be wearing a silly mask or they'll have something different in their hand or whatever. But like there's one image that just gets copied and pasted and the rest of it is just the interaction between the characters. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Which is pretty fun. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, he started doing so much custom artwork from for for from comic to comic that he just started drawing the whole thing. Uh, and then the comic ended. And then it came back as an MMORPG mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years. So instead of all of them sitting around in a chat room, they were all basically playing World of Warcraft together. And that whole thing is about them trying to hack the game to put uh Woot's um eternal sleeper character in the game because the eyeball on a stock of tentacles didn't exist. So uh yeah, it's super fun. Uh it's it's pretty hilarious. Um elfonlyin.net is where you can find it. Uh I'm a big fan of it. And I just reread the entire thing like two weeks ago. I read it in like two afternoons. because um, mm-hmm. it's it, it it ran, you know, five or six years, whatever. Uh, but where there were some breaks in there and everything, and now that it's all done, mm-hmm. like it's easy to go back and and check it out. Anyways, yeah. Okay. So I like it. Elf only in. Read it. The end. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. How about you? What what uh what have you got there? Well, since you did a web comic, I'll do a web comic. Sure. Uh, so this one you can find on Webtoons. You can download the app. You can go on the website. You can find it on Webtoons. It is called Let's Play. Okay. Uh, and it, it is written by Mongi. M-O-N-G-I-E. Um, I hope I said that right. Uh, and pretty much what this comic is about is there's a girl named Sam who looks like you're, she's, you know, she's kind of short. She's got short brown hair, got glasses. She wears kind of baggy clothes to kind of hide her figure a little bit. Um, she's kind of classified. I don't want to say she's classified as like a dork or a nerd or anything, but she's definitely, you know, kind of she's definitely shy she's definitely kind of timid Mm -hmm. uh and everything like that and she's single and young and everything and she has the dream of creating incredible video games okay and one day she finished and created a video game called roommate uh roommate room rune rmu hold on uh i have to pull it up again (laughs) because it's a really weird way to say the name of the the game um is it rune mate is that what it is let me pull it up. So it sounds like roommate, but it's something about runes? It's something like that, yeah. Um, okay. Let me pull it up. Uh, but pretty much what the... So anyway, so she, she so it's called R-U-M-I-N-A-T-E. So it's roommate. Ruminate. Um, Got it. Ruminate. Ruminate, yeah. I always say it weird because i'm never usually talking to anybody really sure. like physically about it yeah. um but she creates this video game it's very much a puzzle kind of choose your own adventure type of game and one day her, her favorite youtube or i guess youtube as they call them streamer sure. um decides to post a playthrough of her game and gives it a really bad review which then results in everybody going to everyone who like every one of his fans going to her her building page on the site where you can play it and tearing her down and giving her the worst reviews ever, and literally removing her ability to take down the game or do anything else with it. Oh no! And that and it's and that's pretty much how the game starts. The 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 comic starts. Um, oh, that's so sad. 
I know it really is. Um, and oddly enough, she, as she's leaving to go take out her dog Bowser, who is the cutest dog in the world. Uh, <laughs> there's actually a, a dis- there's actually a line in the description of the comic that says, "Come for the plot, stay for the doggo." <laughs> nice. Um, but she's taking Bowser out for a walk, and then she discovers there's someone moving in next door to her, and it's the YouTuber who just gave her the bad reviews. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Um, the way the creator has described this guy is like a mix between Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, and I think one other YouTuber that I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Um, he kind of looks like Markiplier a little bit. Okay. But he's okay. definitely a little bit of a different, like he has like a little bit of each of their personalities sure. woven in there. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much the whole comic is following her as she slowly kind of comes out of her shell, uh, as she becomes friends with Marshall, who's the name of her neighbor, uh, who's the YouTuber. Um, how, and how she slowly starts trying to date people, starting with her friend Link, who is a buff, long, long blonde hair, baby blue eye, EMT. Okay. Uh, yeah, (laughs) I have to describe him that way because it's like, oh, okay. Um, she tries asking him out and he kind of shoots her down and it's horrible because he's such a sweetheart. He's like a big teddy bear and he's like, I'm sorry. Um, and then, of course, there's also her, her boss, uh, Charles, and his, you know, and all the shenanigans with him and everything, and and it's it's a really wholesome, down to earth comic, um, that has a lot of really funny Mimi moments, but it also has a lot of really serious, kind of heartfelt moments, um, and it really teaches you kind of like how not to really one judge a book by its character. Because Marshall mm. does later at some point go back and he does replay her game. Okay. Um, but there's also, uh, you know, like she she kind of starts coming out of her shell later on. And then there's all of her fun nerdy friends that she does like this online RPG with, which are fantastic because we have like the yoga like teacher. We have kind of the, the, the good girl who's also the badass who'll kick your butt. Um, we have the... I think he's gay. Yes. Um, African-American uh, guy who's ex- like, who's like the coolest dude ever. Um, and then we have like this little girl and her butler. The little girl doesn't speak. She texts you, but she doesn't speak. And then the butler talks <laughs> for her and they play like some of the most craziest characters in the game. And it's like, what? <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, and then there's Link's brother who's kind of an ass. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But it's a really, it's a really good wholesome comic. I highly recommend it to anybody who, just really anybody who wants just a good slice of life story. Mm-hmm. Um, also, who's ever had the fantasy or dream of like, what happened if a YouTuber moved next door to me? Uh, <laughs> like, what would happen? <laughs> but it also, it just, it's really good. Um, the comics came out in November of 2017, and it's still going. They posted their most recent chapter in August, and they've been on a hiatus. Like they've taken like that was the end of season two, and now we're waiting for season three to start. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, and it's posted every. It says every Tuesday on the webtoon sure. website. Yeah, I get the notification every Monday. Okay, okay. I th- I think until daylight savings happens, and then it shifts to Tuesday, and then it shifts back to Monday. It's weird, but yeah, it's on webtoon. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, I, I you know when I uh, when I was regularly updating Hawk and Croc, I would say updates on. On I think it was Tuesday and Saturday we used to do, but I'd upload them Monday and Friday at some point during the day just to make sure it was ready to go for the next day. Yeah. Um, of course, now everything you can auto set up auto updates and everything, but that's you know neither here nor yeah. there. Anyways, yeah. yeah. So 
Cool. But that, and that was Let's Play by Mongi on yes. Webtoons? Cool. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. It is very good. Go check it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. All okay. right, Andy, what you, what you got for your last one? What's your uh, series? So my last one, it's a, it's a comic series because I am a comic nerd. Um, <laughs> I think, I feel like I mentioned this when we did our Spider-Man episode. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably my favorite interpretation of Spider-Man um, because it had an ending. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. Um, and so this is uh, kind of a young adult version of Spider-Man. It's everything's told from Mary Jane's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think I let you borrow the first volume of this. Yes, you did. That was very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just I, I just pulled the description here off Marvel's website. Uh, so I'm just going to read that because I think it describes it better than I could. <clears throat> Everybody loves Mary Jane Watson, so why not Spider-Man? Whether she's in class, hanging out at the coffee bean, or attending homecoming, she's always the center of attention. But is everything about Mary Jane quite what it seems? Join MJ, her best friend Liz Allen, Liz's boyfriend, boyfriend Flash Thompson, and their good pal Harry Osborne, not to mention a certain bookworm by the name of Peter Parker, as they experience the thrilling highs and devastating lows of high school existence. But it's MJ's crush on the web... Uh, I'm sorry. But is MJ's crush on the web-slinger pure fantasy? Could romance lie elsewhere? The path of true love never did run smoothly. It's a timeless story you know from a completely fresh perspective. Nice. And yeah, uh, I mean, that's a little more back of the bookie than I would have described it myself, obviously. But yeah, um, it's got beautiful artwork by Takeshi Miyazawa. Um, the, it was written by the first, first most of it was written by Sean McKeever. Um, actually, all of it was written by Sean McKeever. Most of it was, written by, uh, was drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa. Miyazawa got another gig. And so David Hahn took over as the artist for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And then McKeever signed an exclusive contract with DC Comics, so he wasn't able to write this series anymore. Uh, so he did wrap it up. Um, it it got published a little weird. There were two four-issue miniseries as kind of like t- pilots, like to test it to see if there was an, uh, an audience for it. And then there's a 20-issue series. Um, but if you just buy the hardcovers, it collects it all under the Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane name. And then there was a season two that was actually written by Terry Moore of Strangers in Paradise. Um, and it's also good, but it's, it, it feels very different. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's only five issues. It's the beginning of their sophomore year. Um, it's fine, but it's just so, so completely different from what the first part of it was that like, it's like a bonus feature rather than hmm. I think essential plot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it was one of those things where the first four, first four issues were out um, I was at the comic shop and I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. And I bought the first four issues. And then um, later that night, I accidentally sprained my ankle. So the oh. whole rest of the weekend, I was stuck in bed um, with a sprained ankle. So I was like, well, I guess I'll read these. And uh, I kind of fell in love with it. So <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. I recommend it. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I want to say more, but like I, I don't know. It's great that description kind of fits it pretty well. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. You said you liked it. Like I don't mm-hmm. know what else I can say that isn't just me going to be me gushing over it. So uh, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So what uh, you said you have a series, and uh, what what is that? So the so the series I have. Um, 
so this so it is Percy Jackson and the Olympians written by Rick Roderin. Okay. Uh, so this is definitely a young adult, more kind of older kid novel is a uh, set of novels, but it is about a kid named Percy mm-hmm. who has dyslexia and ADHD and things like that. And one day uh, while he's at his new school, that's supposed to help him with learning and everything. Uh, they go on this field trip to this museum and while he and his buddy Grover, who is a kid with um, polio, I believe. Okay. Um, so he has the two walking uh, arm sticks, uh, crutches. I'm blanking. Yeah, the two, the two crutches. Crutches, yeah. Um, and uh, while they're at the museum, the teacher who, who Percy believes completely despises him suddenly turns into a harpy and demands to know where the lightning bolt is. Oh, goodness. Uh, it's discovered when Percy then returns to it with his mom and everything that he, his actual birth father, uh, is actually a god, like a Greek god. Mm-hmm. And so she, with the help of Grover, gets Percy across the country, or not across the country, but pretty much to, uh, what is known as Camp Half-Blood. A hidden away camp, uh, hidden from all types of magical, evil magical creatures of the underworld who wish to harm demigods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's like this protected little barrier uh, placed somewhere in New York. Um, and she takes, she tries to get Percy there, but ends up being taken by the Minotaur. And pretty much the whole series is following. So after like the first book, after Percy, you know, gets the lightning bolt back and everything like it, it it's following his journeys at camp half blood and with his friends. Um, it's discovered that he is the son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the son of the big three. So it's Poseidon, Zeus, Hades. Yeah. Um, and so the first book is the Lightning Thief. Then it goes the Sea of Monsters, which is like the Odyssey if it was in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we have the Titan's Curse, which, uh, if I recall correctly, pretty much involves um, the Hunters of Artemis. And these two other kids who are the, the children of Hades who have been stuck in um, this hotel in Las Vegas that is similar to the Lotus, the Lotus Flower Eater Island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Battle of the Labyrinth, which actually takes them into the labyrinth. Uh, and then we have the Last Olympian, which is kind of the big final fight against Kronos. Um, and... This isn't the only books following Camp Half-Blood and Percy and Annabeth and Grover, which turns out, so while Percy's the demigod son of Poseidon, Grover is actually a satyr. Okay. So that's kind of why he had the crutches to begin with, is because he was, you know, he didn't want his strange deformity with his legs to be, you know, kind of like a weird question mark to the other, to like normal people. Right. And then when he actually remo- gets rid of the crutches and ditches his pants, it's like, oh, nope, I'm a half goat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there's Annabeth, who is the daughter of Athena. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, the books are really, really good. Like they, they, are, they do a really good job of introducing Greek mythology to children mm-hmm. uh, and to younger audiences. And, you know, more so than I think Hercules ever did. Like it really, does a bit of a deep dive it kind of it throws the odyssey in there it throws you know a lot of greek myth and legends that you probably have never heard of in there um 
And the sequel series to it, which is the Heroes of Olympus series, follows um, these other kids from uh, Camp Jupiter, which is on like the other side of the United States. And mm. that's the Roman god, demigod camp. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so that Heroes Olympus goes into the differences between the Roman gods and, and the the Greek gods. And it's it's like he does a really good job telling all this. Rick Rodern also has, you know, ones on the on the Egyptian gods. He just came out with some on the Norse gods. So like he has a lot of really great ones. I love the Percy Jackson ones though, because I love Greek mythology. Like sure. no other. It is some of my favorite bits of history and literature and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the series is really good. I do highly recommend it to everybody. I know that there are two movies that were kind of meh, but Logan Lerman and um, all of the other actors that were involved did a really good job. Sure. Making, yeah. you know, with these characters, making them instead of like, you know, 12, 13 year olds, like 17, 18 year olds, like 15, 16 year olds. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the movies are, the movies are really good in my opinion. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Plus, when I saw the the trailer for, for The Lightning Thief coming out, I was like, okay, I have to read all these books before I go see it. And I managed to finish this entire series in a week. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's a record for me. The books are not that big, though, but it was still like, whoa. Still, yeah, yeah. That's, so. that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. So there, there you go. Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, Steph. Yeah? We still have like 10 minutes left. <laughs> Dang it! So <laughs> We read too we, fast! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. I prepared a backup. <gasps> what? Because I, I, I had a feeling this might happen. So okay. I am going to talk about the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics for a little bit. Okay. Um, everyone knows the Turtles from the Saturday morning cartoons and from the movies and and maybe even from some of the newer comics here's the thing these the original comics that turtles came from nothing like any of those they are dark they are black and white they are done by two guys who didn't know what the hell they were doing and were probably just passing drugs back and forth while they drew silly things uh i i have nothing to verify that just you know it seems like something that might be plausible um uh and if they were not then i apologize um yeah, so the first Ninja Turtles issue came out in May of 1984. Uh, it's 40 pages. It's completely black and white, as I said. It was written and drawn both by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Like, they both wrote some of it and both drew some of it. And it's mm-hmm. not like one of them penciled and one inked. It's like one of them would pencil some things and the other would pencil other things. And one would ink some things, the other would ink some things. And it's a thing, like, it's a, it's a method of drawing a comic and making comics that, like, literally nobody else ever does. So there's that. It's pretty unique. Um, it's a revenge story. It's it's uh, the turtles start basically in Daredevil's origin, um, <laughs> uh, right? Because so Daredevil's origin is that he's crossing the street and someone's about to get hit by a truck, so he pushes the guy out of the way. And as this truck swerves, like a bunch of chemicals spill out of the truck and hit you know, and fall over Matt Murdock and he goes blind, but it, it enhances his other senses and he eventually becomes Daredevil. Yeah. The Ninja Turtles are what happens when you follow the canister that mutated Daredevil. As you follow it down oh. the street, it hits this glass bowl that this kid is holding and that 
ooze mutates the turtles into humanoid form. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, they very intentionally stuck the turtles' origin into Daredevil's origin just because they could, and it would be funny, and it was one issue that they were going to sell at a convention, and who cares? Because who would know that this is going to become some international phenomenon that people are going to be talking about 36 years later on Mm -hmm. podcasts, which didn't exist (laughs) in May of 1984. Uh, (laughs) So the thing about the original Turtle series is that the first, I don't know, like I think it's the first 12 issues are done by Eastman and Laird. Um, Mm -hmm. Issue 13 is done by a friend. Issue 14 and 15, uh, 14 is done by Eastman, 15 is done by Laird. 16 and 17 are done by a friend. 19, 20, 21 are done by Eastman and Laird, but drawn by Jim Lawson. Um, And then like, I don't think Eastman and Laird work on an issue themselves until issue 48. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Some of them are, are really good in there. Um, I think the the River series, which runs from 24, 25, 26, I think those are all fantastic. Uh, they're by Rick Veach. Um, mm-hmm. And they could be... I mean, there's no reason that those shouldn't be considered canon, except they aren't by Eastman and Laird. Um, and then the rest of it was Eastman and Laird had this weird, huge phenomenon hit on their hands, and so they didn't have time to make the comic anymore. They had to run the franchise um so while they were designing you know helping design toys and helping work on the cartoon and stuff they just got a bunch of cool independent underground comic artists to make issues of ninja turtles and some of them are great and some of them are not so much um Mm -hmm. uh there's a spin-off series called tales of the teenage Mutant ninja turtles which ran only seven issues but it introduces characters like leatherhead and the rat king who became staples in the franchise um Mm -hmm. but Here's a crazy thing, and I'm just going to spoil it because it's a 36-year-old comic, and who cares? Shredder dies in the first issue. Oh, sh- whoa. Yeah. <laughs> they straight up kill him at the end of the first issue. Like, he's done. The end. Bye. Uh, he does come back, and then they explain how he comes back, and it's sci-fi nonsense because, you know, turtles getting slimed with radioactive ooze and turning humanoid and learning ninjutsu's not exactly normal. So like, mm-hmm. I'm willing to be like, yeah, okay, sure. I can come back to life the way that they explained with bugs. That's fine. Uh, and then they kill him again. And then he literally never appears in, in the comic again. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because you would think like shredder would be the big bad that would be there all the time. Now, now he's in like five issues <laughs> of a 62 issue run. Um, I am, I am almost done collecting the entire series. I've only got a handful of issues left. Um, it's some of the early ones that are a little more expensive now that I'm missing. Although I have reprints of them in graphic novel form. So, uh, I've got basically the entire thing and it's pretty great. Uh, or at least the, the, the first dozen are really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and if you can find any of the collected volumes that include the one issue micro series. So, one of the things Marvel and DC were doing at the time is uh, like, hey, here's a four-issue series of Hawkeye. Here's a four-issue series of, I don't know, someone, the, uh, the Wasp. Here's a four-issue series of the Scarlet Witch. Like, characters that didn't, that weren't big enough to carry their own series at the time, but, like, were popular enough to not just be in the Avengers. So they were like, we're not going to do a miniseries. We're going to do a micro-series. Here's one issue of Raphael. Here's one issue of Donatello. Here's one issue mm-hmm. of Michelangelo. One issue of Leonardo. And, like, Except for the Leonardo one. The other three, like, you can take them or leave them. Uh, the Raphael one introduces Casey Jones. But okay. they're, not, they're not necessarily, like, important. But they're 
also by Eastman and Laird. So mm-hmm. uh, most of the collections include those in there, like where they go in the timeline. So so that's pretty good. Um, anyways, IDW has been really good about collecting them all as Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the ultimate collection. I think there's four or five volumes of that run. Um, and those are the ones that are quote unquote canon uh, officially because they're the ones that Kevin Eastman and or Peter Laird actually worked on. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I've never really we, like, <laughs> I haven't really gotten to do a straight up turtles comics episode. And, uh, that's cause I don't need to, I just did it. There we go. The end turtles. It's great. Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> also, they awesome. murder people and their swears and blood and it's not for kids at all. So no, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So real quick, uh, here are the things we talked about today. If you want just a straight list, Strangers in Paradise, the Mortal Instruments series, Fistful of Blood, Star Wars, the life and legend of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Transformers, more than meets the eye slash lost light, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, stories of light and dark, the audiobook, Sick mm-hmm. by Tom Levine, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, Wild Space by Karen Miller, Elf Only In, the webcomic, Let's Play by Mongi, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series, and Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Yep, there we go. There you go. Um, this is episode ninety-two of one hundred. Mm-hmm. So yep. we've only got we've only got a few left. So guys, please send us emails to atomicmonsoon at gmail.com and let us know some of your favorite atomic monsoon moments, and we will read them on the mm-hmm. air for episode one hundred. And uh, otherwise, you can find us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook under Atomic Monsoon. And you can find us on Instagram with Atomic Monsoon with the underscore between the words. Uh, mm-hmm. Please support our friends at DefM Records by going to defmrecords.bandcamp.com and mm-hmm. check out our Redbubble store and get yourself an Atomic Monsoon logo shirt before the show goes away. Do it. So, Andy, I know that you know, we don't, I don't think we've ever really. Uh promoted ourselves aside from maybe like psychoandy.com i think you've promoted it before and yes. i've promoted syndicate saber uh but you know what i think since we were talking about literature and things like that we should promote our creative writing stuff and i know you have hawk and croc so yeah yeah so i did do a web comic uh from 2003 until uh 2018 um it's not over over it's just on indefinite hiatus and or maybe i'm writing and drawing what might be the final story in that series i don't know mm-hmm. um <laughs> i wrote something i'm drawing it i might decide it sucks uh so <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how that goes. But if you, uh, yeah, if you do want to read um, stuff I've done, you can go over to hawkandcroc.com. It's all one word and is spelled out. Um, I think the f- some of the early stuff isn't up there because the artwork was kind of terrible. It was 2003 and I was drawing with a mouse. So uh, we decided to take it down for the time being. Um, some of it I have redrawn. Some of it I have not. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, the good stuff. Uh, if you go read the new Hawk and Croc series, that's really where it, it which started in 2011. Um, that's where it really actually starts getting good. So uh, I focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys want to read, so I know I've mentioned I write fan fiction on this show, but I'm actually going to promote myself here. What? Low key, a little nervous, but you know what? I'm just going to do it. Uh, if you guys want to read anything I've written, re- remember this is fan fiction. Uh, so. <laughs> it's from my point of view. Uh, right. But you can check me out on it. So it's fanfiction.net. You can look under the author name Sasha Monroe. 
Uh, it's all one word. And I have... That's S-A-S-H-A-M-O-N-R-O-E? Yes. Okay. Uh, I currently have... All of my stories that are up right now are completed. I currently have 14 completed in my Jedi Trials series. Mm. (laughs) I started this in high school, so it's been working for a while. Sure. Uh, I have two completed... Um, fun Star Wars meets Lion King crossovers. I have one fairy tale meets Star Wars crossover that's done, and I currently have one fairy tale separate story that I've finished. Um, and I am about to post book 15 of my Star Wars one and book two of my fairy tale one here very, very soon because I am working on them. Please, if you do read the books, guys, leave a kind review and everything. Uh, I would love to, you know, say that you heard from me from Atomic Monsoon because that would just blow my mind. Um, <laughs> but also be very aware. <laughs> Uh, I started this in high school and my creative writing was kind of meh. And as you get into my later stories, you'll realize, ah, you have improved. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it is one of the things about being a creator on the internet is your early stuff Mm -hmm. typically isn't very good because you need to write a bunch of bad stories before you can start writing some good stories. Um, And and that's, that's just true about the creative process. Yeah. And I mean, some of those stories in the beginning are actually not bad. But compared to what I am currently writing at this moment for book 15, sure. it's leagues different. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, did you say one of them was Star Wars meets the Lion King? Yeah, it's pretty much uh, what would happen if Star Wars no, no. characters were the Lion King. So, oh, Okay, that's a crossover <laughs> I never expected to hear about. <laughs> it was fun to do. So, um head over to AtomicMonsoon.com, PsychoAndy.com, HawkandCroc.com, and FanFiction.net and look up Sasha Munro, and then you can find all of our everything that we've ever done. <laughs> and to quote, uh, the, to quote the song, the cover is not the book from Mary Poppins, open, to, open a book tonight in bed. Nevermore. Welcome back, Monsoon.